Before we get going with this Friarside chat, for those of you that are interested in backing the Kill Journal on Indiegogo, just know that I put the link in the description of this episode. And if you want more details before checking out the site, the perks will be listed off at the end of this episode. All right, we got another bonus episode for you guys in store on the Change My Mind TLDR channel. This week, we're talking about The Kill Journal, a horror graphic novel, which is a tale of antiheroes forged in the terrifying world of revenants and their survivors. Revenants are evil spirits back from the dead, wielding chainsaws and machetes. And their victims, the ones still alive, are taking a stand. Led by a half-mad preacher, they're ridding the world of these monsters before they become one themselves. And joining us, uh, Dr. Joe, this week is the writer of this. This looks like a terrifying story, Adam. Uh, Adam Lawson, who we had on, who wrote the uh, the eighth as well. Adam, how you doing? Hey, I'm awesome. Thanks for having me back on, guys. This is very cool. Of course, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, and, and just before we get into the Kill Journal, which is also an Indiegogo campaign that launched on Tuesday, October 6th, the day before this is getting dropped, uh, how is the 8th going right now? Is it, it seems like it was a big success. Yeah, the 8th was a total success. I mean, we launched that. I literally had no fan base for it, no anything before. I, I just dropped it out, posted it on my Facebook, and then started you know jumping on streams and podcasts and hustling that whole audience literally while the campaign was live. And, you know, we ended up raising 35000 for a brand new IP, brand new book in, on Indiegogo. That's pretty impressive in a graphic novel land. And um, it's a cool hardcover slipcase, you know, eight, eight, essentially eight issues story. So it's a complete experience. And it was a great ride. And so what's more exciting, what's really exciting with the Kill Journal is that all the, all the backers who jumped on, um, the eighth are now jumping on the kill journal and there's just been more time to sort of, um, promote and talk about it. And we have a publicist coming on this time to help promote it through traditional channels, um, and add some backer kit and, or hopefully take it even to much bigger heights here. And people can still get in on the eighth too, right? If they want to. Yep. The eighth is totally available. It's an in demand on Indiegogo. So you can jump in. If you do, you get, you'll be caught up on all the digital issues, which come out every month like you are collecting it. And then early next year, the hardcover goes out to those who, who back that tier. Well, and I highly recommend that to everybody. I reviewed the first issue for Geeks Worldwide a little while back before the campaign started. I've read issue two since issue three has come out. I have not caught up on that yet, Adam, but I am uh, I am very happy with what I've what I've gotten so far. So what, job well done with that. Now, the Kilt Journal, Thank though, you. is what we're here to talk about. And uh, actually, in the first issue of TLDR, <laughs> I, I saw you launched the campaign right around that time, and I showed it to Dr. Joe midstream. And Doc, did you? Am I correct in saying that you didn't sleep at all that it, night? It scared the shit out of me. To be, but I'm I'm uh, I'm very sensitive to this stuff. But I love it. Uh, I I I love horror comics. Horror genre isn't sort of my thing, um, but horror books are. And so he showed me this. Uh, the, the trailer for the kill journal. And, and my first reaction was awesome. Second was I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> so, so why the shift to horror from, from where you were before with the eighth? I think at the core of what I really love in storytelling is worlds that have a mix of two things, uh, violence and vulnerability. And I think, you know, having read the eighth, although it is not in a horror setting, it deals with those two realities right? Characters who have a high vulnerability, but end up in very violent situations. <clears throat> and I think what I love so much about 
the horror genre is that it's an opportunity to face really intense themes in, in, a, in a still entertaining way, right? In this case, at the core of it, right, you really have, what you have is a story about uh, trauma survivors, right? They've they've been in a situation where their friends have all been killed or butchered by this, or their family members or their children by these revenants, right? Um, which are you know something akin to slashers, though revenants are, the, are a broader a broader word and can mean more things, and and so how do they cope with this trauma, right? And in this case, they cope with it by picking up baseball bats and going to hunt down the people who who, who slaughtered the people they love. Because um, I, I, what it really came to me when I was, <clears throat> you know, I love horror pictures, and I think they're a great um, they're great entertainment, and they also can explore you know, big high concept themes. Because at the core, they're kind of a fantasy, right? Because Michael Myers isn't real. Jason isn't real. <clears throat> Scream, you know, many of these horror movies—they're just—they're in fantasy at their core. But what I often thought is, you know, what happens when the horror movie ends, right? <clears throat> the horror movie ends. The one or two people survive, make it out. They're crying and weeping, and you know, they're crouched down somewhere, or they're riding on the back of some police car, heading away from the the ruins of their life, right? Well, after that movie ends, what becomes of these people? <clears throat> And how do they cope? Mm -hmm. And I think that was the inception for the Kill Journal was how do they cope after the movie ends, right? After the event happens, what's next? <clears throat> and so this is the story of what's next, right? Okay. For these, for the few who are, are willing to take this ride. And so St. George is this preacher who a revenant hacked his congregation and his child, and he's converted his church into their like base of operations. And he runs these, uh, you know, AA style or like cancer support style group meetings where people who've survived come and like cry out their problems. And then he recruits from these meetings, those who are <clears throat> willing to take a stand. Right. Okay. Uh -huh. And, um, and so that's what issue one opens up with is one of these meetings and then one of these meetings is actually attacked by a revenant and the people who pick up and fight end up joining his joining his survivors club okay and so and so what's so then you have these people who are dealing with with a lot of demons themselves right each of our characters um our point of view character initially is this girl sydney whose daughter was killed right but her daughter was killed at a cabin in the woods, and uh, she took her daughter to this event that was a party and certainly outside of her age range. But she said, hey, wait in the car. She was trying to meet with this guy. And did she do something terrible? No. It was an act of small negligence, right, on a parent. But it also happened to be the night a revenant showed up. Her daughter was in the car. She was in the cabin, and her daughter got, got taken. Um, mm -hmm. And so – there is a guilt that hangs, right? Because there is a, at least a feeling of some responsibility, though people aren't responsible for murderers coming in and, and killing and killing their friends and family, right? Because it's, it's a, hor a harrowing act, mm -hmm. but, but they live with some of this guilt. And, um, and it paints, they're trying to resolve that in this, in this hunting process. Um, and so, and, you know, or for example, 
um, we have uh, um, Finch, right? And his character, he grew up on the Mexican border in a dog fight arena and his dad would run the pits and his one day, day a dog didn't show. And so he threw Finch in the ring and Finch as a young kid killed this pit bull. And then his dad kept training him like he was one of the dogs. And a revenant came in and, and took out his dad and several other people and, and Finch made it out, right? But Finch's struggle is that he's worried he could become a revenant himself, right? He has some of that darkness in him and he like steals one of the revenant masks and he keeps it buried in the woods and he like digs it up kind of like a dog and looks at it from time to time. So he's struggling with something else from his past that he somehow has to resolve Hmm. while on the hunt gotcha that that sounds awesome so yeah. it has a little little star wars vibe to it when uh when, when luke goes into the cave there uh and sees darth vader that's uh that's awesome stuff um i was talking with nick earlier to sort of get ready for this uh, as i'm becoming you know more familiar with your work and and he had told me that when he had interviewed you um about the eighth you drew upon some life experiences uh from your life uh sure. for that is is that is that the case with the revenant is there anything that you've pulled on from your your personal life or your own experiences uh when writing this or is this just something like an idea you had and uh you just wanted to run with it yeah i think so there's always i try to find you know what's the personal story in it too for me as well um i think my personal story kind of falls for saint george the preacher um right you know i um you know, grew up in a very religious setting, and um, and and I think that um, there comes a time where you have a crisis of faith, and and our preacher has a crisis of faith, right? When he, after his congregation is taken out, right? That um, and what does he do in this moment? And he believes he becomes in this moment of trial becomes called by God to rid the world of these revenants right but did he really um you know there there's a bit did he really um mm -hmm. and so i i think that the, like the, the the personal question for me you know because i i you know i'm not i didn't grow up on the mexican border or or, or be around or i was not around dog fighting pits um or no doubt if i lose a daughter but um that maybe that story was the piece that was mine was this idea of this crisis of faith and okay. what what do you become after this crisis of faith? Um, and so, and then as far as for the other characters and their stories that I tried to drew from, draw from, um, I usually often draw from real life tales, which is you know research about each of these origins and things that can happen, um, so that I can draw as much reality from it from other people's experiences and then weave it into a tale. So I know when we talked last time, I asked you who was your favorite character in all this, because after reading the, uh, for, for the eighth, that is the, the, cause my favorite character after the first issue was, was Emma. And yeah. I, and we talked, you know, about, I think you like, was Atticus your favorite character throughout the course of that story? Am I correct? Remember that? No, I think that I, I also loved Emma the most as well. Okay. Um, but I do have a, I, but I, 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 but especially after you take the ride with Atticus's story, really evolves quite a bit, starting in issue three because issue one and two, he's a smaller character and he's developing, and then he really ramps up in issue three on, mm -hmm. um, and particularly in four when he meets uh, meets back up with the group. So, um, 
Yes, but I do have a, as you can see, a, a soft spot for uh, religious characters. Yeah, and I was going to say, and it seemed like you know St. George, based on everything you're saying, might be your favorite. But I know so far on Twitter, and again, you can follow Adam on Twitter at failed superhero. Uh, you see, you've written about, you've teased Marty, Dylan, St. George, Brecken, Finch, Sydney, and Mister Crispy. Am I missing anybody so far? No, no, that's the whole bit. There's, there's two other revenants that I um, put up there and you can see here if you look at the screen. So this is, um, this one here, this is, uh, this is Dylan. Okay. This is, this is the revenant that came for Sydney, our point of view character, his daughter. This okay. is like, this is like the, the most, in this story arc, this is the, the most powerful of the group. Okay. Um, so this is the guy with the, the mask and does he have a name? It is Dylan is his name. Oh, he, oh, he's Dylan. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I got That's exactly. Yeah, that's his Dylan. Right. Gotcha. And okay. so, and so he, um, and that mask, it's a part of the campaign. We had it custom sculpted. We gave away one for free during the pre-launch, which was very cool. Cause it, of the, you know, we did a random selection across, you know, 470 emails at the time. And it went to, uh, one of a guy named Cody who also had back to the eight. So it was kind of nice that it went to a real super fan. Um, but that mask, we're going to give another one away for free, um, day one of the campaign to one of the backers day one. Nice. Um, and it's a movie quality replica. (laughs) So there's this, 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 this month. So there's this monster, there's this revenant. And then there is this guy here, Ricky as well. Okay. And, um, and then we have, there is some secret art that was done. One of another characters called the Heart Stealer Revenant, and if you signed up on the pre-launch, you got that art image. But that was the only way to get it. Oh! Right? So if you signed up on the pre-launch at all, at some point you'll get an email and you'll get that that piece of exclusive art. Okay, um, nice. Well, I mean, we're gonna have to sign. I, Doc and I will have uh, will have signed up by the time that this is uh, we're, we're launching this. So this Ricky, I've not. I saw an image of him. I did not know his name. Heading into this interview, though, this guy looks particularly insane. As much as Dylan looked like he was going to create a lot of problems, too. Is this guy the craziest character we're going to deal with? Yeah, this guy, what makes him somewhat unique is he's a, a teenage revenant, right? He's a high school kid that becomes one. And um, he has, you know, this high-pitched laughter to him. And he sort of revels in this, right? Whereas Dylan is uh, maybe this brooding, inevitable death coming your way. Uh, this guy has a true madness about him and he is lightning quick. That's kind of his gift, right? Is that revenants, when they come back, usually come with some sort of gift, right? In the Sasher sense, right? Freddy Krueger comes back with the ability to invade invade nightmares or the Candyman comes back, has the bees. In this case, he, he was a kid on the track team and so he came back with this heightened speed. Um, and so they, they're they all tough. You know, that's sort of a given, right, that they, you can hit them with a car and it doesn't kill them, um, <laughs> but that they come back with some other enhanced element based on who they were in real life. Okay. So when so who do you have a favorite in all this? Is it St. George for sure? As far as, like, um, a personal character, um, I mean, I love them all, right, because they mm-hmm. all have a piece of me and, they, and I – get so passionate about each one. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, St. George was my initial um, doorway in, 
so he narrates the story. So what I tried to do something interesting this time was to have our point of view character be Sydney in the in the sense that she's being you know brought into the the, the survivors club and going on the hunts and she's learning the skill set etc. So we're learning it through her experience as an audience, but the narration is from him. Gotcha. And okay. so he he kind of gives us a little bit more of an omniscient narration to our story coming in. Um, and I, I liked that feeling, right? Where it's like, imagine it's Obi-Wan Kenobi who's giving the voiceover, even though Luke is our main point of view experience. It's imagine if Obi-Wan was giving the voiceover. Okay. That's a different take. I, Doc, I can't think of – can you think of an example of that where we've seen it in other, um, other books? Because I can't think of one of those off the top not of my head. Not off the top of my head either, no. That sounds no, awesome. I, yeah, I like that twist. So uh, now now St. George is your guy where you started with things. When you look at all the characters now, you've been dealing with them for a little while. Um, you've written you know, the 88 pages and everything. Who do you think is going to resonate with people the most or people are going to be drawn to the most? I think, um, I think it's going to be a toss-up between maybe um, Marty and Finch. So this is, um, you know, Finch. He's the guy we talked about who grew up on the Mexican border, um, and um, you know, was in the dog fighting pits. Because I think um, there is a simplicity about him and like a completeness in his character, the way he kind of functions like a dog and protects the group, and the way. Um, the way he sees the world and just also he's such a victim of circumstance. And then I think that maybe it might become Marty as the other favorite here. Um, she, um, so her father was a chemist who lost his job and started building bombs in the basement for the mob or for <clears throat> nefarious folks. And she was his lab assistant, right? She would build them with them. And, um, and then he met a, a woman and, she kind of faded into the background and in an attempt to try and sort of get her dad's attention back, um, she unknowingly summoned this revenant in a house of mirrors and the revenant took out her father. And, um, and so she's like, um, she's the angstiest of the group Ooh. and is the bomb maker. And um, in a way has maybe a, a hint of a death wish. And so because she's, you know, a girl trying to grow up with really no one to tell her how, um, and she's sort of the most in your face. I think um, I think people really like her. Um, I, I think, really like her now. I I think you told me on her. I'm looking forward to Mr. Crispy. To be honest with you, <laughs> well, Mr. Crispy. So uh, I love the, I love mis, love Mr. Crispy. So one thing we're doing with this tale is it's an 88 page graphic novel. Right, and it's um, a leather-bound book, and I can even show you this here. Right, it's this cool red leather-bound book. Right, and this is an exact replica of the kill journal inside the book that Saint George is keeping. Right, like this is like his Bible oh, that he's keeping. Awesome. That that details all the kills and what's happening, and what the book looks like in his hands is this. This is the book from inside the book if you will and so in a way it's like you're reading the kill journal it's like this is your own copy of the oh, kill journal itself shit so, okay i like that yeah. so that's why it's kind of it's got you know these catholic elements to it because of our priest 
And then, you know, it's got this symbol here, which is a voodoo symbol, which ties into Brecken. He has this tattoo on him. And then this is the symbol of Cain, which is tied into the deep mythology of these revenants. They'll come out later. Um, and then this eye also ties into <clears throat> something that gets discovered in issue two. I don't want to give it away, but it's like there's hidden things tucked into the cover. And and it, what's cool is like you get that book. But it's, you know, it's an 88-page story. Um, but what we wanted to do was also tell the origins of each of our main heroes. And I feel like something that I don't love in a comic book is endless origin stories. You know, mm -hmm. I, uh, it, it just seems to weigh down it. And you're just like waiting for it to get over to get to the story. So in the back of the book, these are our stretch goals, is we're putting four six-page dossier stories. Kind of like St. George in the book had kept like, ha, here's how what happened to Marty. Here's what happened to Finch and Brecken and um, – and Sydney, and they're, and they're in the back of the book. So there's another 24 pages of, of, of stories that show the night they were attacked um, and sets their, deepens their character. Now in the main story, you get, you learn about what happened, but you maybe learn in a, a balloon or two or a single image flashback, but then these dive in and, and increase the depth. And so that's where Mr. Crispy comes into play because that's Finch's Revenant. Oh. And that's where that's where we meet him. That's where we meet him. That looks so awesome. That you, I, the people listening can't see it, but this is going to be something you're going to want to back for sure. Getting this the copy of this book, it's tremendous. Yeah, that that I mean, like the Bible feel and everything like that is that's freaking awesome. I'm yeah. I was already in on this Adam. I mean, like I like the eighth, but and, and I knew I was going to like something else that you write, and I would want to give it a shot. But when I saw this, uh, when I saw the art tease for this and everything too, and I know Doc's going to ask about that in a little bit, but I just, right, Doc? I mean, the art on this shit is crazy. Well, yeah, I was, when you showed me the, you know, when you showed me the trailer for this, like I said, I, it was it was both awesome and, and terrifying at the same time. But that's what pulls me in a lot of times uh, when picking up a comic book is the art. And the art in this book is absolutely spectacular and i know nick and myself we will tweet out picture uh, pictures um and you know obviously the links to the indiegogo page for this book but the art was fantastic so my question was what led you to working with uh, raymond uh, bermudez to show you a couple things to finish the mr christopher you can see him here yep. so this is maxi dallow's work so it's there's ultimately five artists doing the book right one for each of the stories and then the main ones oh okay um just so you can get a sense of what those pages are looking like. Jeez, you guys yeah. are gonna like this. And so here's Mr. Crispy in all of his glory. Ha! Um, so, um, but yeah, so the way it worked out, just to kind of give you the full story on a bit building our artist. So, um, the initial concept artwork was done by a French artist named who goes by Tonton Revolver, and those are the the pinup images that you see. And he and I made those five years ago. Um, when I was crafting this initial idea. And then um, Raymond is somebody I'd worked with in, in the fantasy world. Um, but then ultimately, as of two days ago, Raymond had to leave the project due to personal reasons. Um, he kind of was sending out some Instagram posts where he was in the hospital and some other things. And he unfortunately had to leave the project. And so, um, which is just what, it's just what life is in the, the comic book industry. And so, mm -hmm. um, 
we had another artist who I had been who had been working on one of these smaller stories. So ultimately, uh, our artist on this is Jason Krager. Um, he is his background is the Darkness series and Evangeline on Top Cow, and also this new current indie book called uh, Hammer. So the, you can see his lines here um, still has this epic detail and um, and has captured, I think, every bit of what we wanted um, to get out of this. Um, here is, you know, Finch with his revenant mask in the woods. And um, here is Brecken battling Dylan. Um, so <clears throat> I think we ultimately have equally as an exciting book. And what I love so much about Jason's work is there is an angst to it, right? Oh, there okay. is a, it's a little bit more brutal, um, but still highly detailed with gripping characters. And, um, and that's our, and so, and anyways, and so that's our, um, that's going to be our, what our book is going to look like. Oh, it looks awesome. This is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's things the eyes. change, but yeah, good guy. I, I did see you tweet out some of this artwork and it looks, uh, it, it looks terrifying. That's just, and of course, that's what you want with all these things. So you, you, you mentioned how you have these origin stories and I think Finch, is he getting, is it, um, is it a certain amount of issues that he's getting? How, how is it all going to work exactly? Yeah. So there's these small origin stories that go, that are going to be our stretch goals, which are a six page story that gives the night, you know, one of our principal characters was attacked before they joined the club. So that way it's nice that after you've read the 88 pages, you've gotten into the story, then you can go back and like, ah, let me flesh out who they are. And so there will be four of them, one for Marty Finch, um, Brecken and Sydney. Um, and so there'll be in a dossier section after the 88 page story inside the graphic novel. Okay. Okay. So now is this, you have it set on 88 pages and you have the, the, the six, the six page uh, mini stories for all this, the origin stories. Is this something that, um, you know, again, I haven't finished the eighth, obviously the, 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 all the issues have not come out yet, but I'm assuming that is, you know, done with it, with those eight uh, issues. Is this going to be, you know, this is it right here, or are we going to see more of the Kill Journal if this is a success beyond this initial campaign? That's totally right. So I initially had seen this as a three-volume set for this initial story, and um, but it could be could be much more. Um, what I don't like to do is I don't like to make, especially in a crowdfunding situation, you know, give a single issue or something that that doesn't close a, a story. Cause you don't know if there's going to be another book and then you have to wait eight months and it's like, maybe it's unfulfilling. So this is a complete 88 page story. This is a, a full and complete story, but it certainly doesn't end the story, you know, walk away for all the credits. They're certainly open for many more, but if you just read this and just get this, it's a complete ride. Gotcha. Gotcha. Nice. Okay. Nice. So with, um, you know, and I, and I know this is it just this is natural question for me. When uh, I know you have uh, you, this is your priority right now, and of course the eighth and all this. But do you do you like have other ideas for comics specifically brewing in your head right now that you could see yourself doing along the line after this? Yes. So we have um, another series already in the works. Um, it's called Kids and Monsters, oh. and um, it, it's already. Um, it's already underway um, and 
because the idea was is that we wanted to create let me um show you this here okay i can show you a piece of art from it oh really you already got that yeah, going this, this is the initial um Holy concept shit. art um and this is this is an amazing artist um his name's danny cruz he's a concept artist he's not an interior um what i tend to do is build with a concept artist first because they they are just somebody who's built on details and tons and tiny revisions whereas comic book artists don't love tons of tiny revisions um because uh, they're 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 they operate a different way but so mm -hmm. this is kids and monsters and it will be coming out uh, next year um as well and so maxi dallow is um doing the artwork on it um and uh, mike spicer who um did murder falcon and uh, wonder woman dead earth will be the colorist on it and cool. and that will be out um that will be out um next year and so we're there essentially is four universes that we're opening up here with the eight children or kids and monsters um another one called the sunder that will that will be our beginnings of the universe and then we'll hopefully be able to do more stories within those worlds jeez this thing looks nuts doc yeah I know. Again, this is not good for for podcasting, but man, the, that artwork is outstanding. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this too. I mean, but I, I was the Kill Journal still here first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. right, right, right. But Kill Journal is here just, first, but yes, there, there's more, stuff there's to, more to come. Up. Yes, there's more stuff to come. So ideally, we'll get all four of those worlds out, and then we'll start um, probably you know volume two on Kill Journal, etc. This is a big picture plan of FSC publishing. Um, and so, and you know that I work in the board game space as well. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, <clears throat> Asunder is launching here in November in the board game world. Um, we just had a big success with a, a game called escape the night based on the TV show I direct and we did super great numbers with it. And so <clears throat> that's also another part of our world. Okay. Awesome. So, so last question for me, Adam. And, and so when, when Nick brought up the idea or told me about, you know, doing this interview, uh, I, you know, I did what any good person would do and, and, and try and read up as much as I can about, you know, who you are, what your background is, what you do. Um, I, I, I've seen that, or I saw that you do a lot of writing and directing for, uh, you know, role-playing type tabletop type games. And that seems to be a, a passion of yours. And, you know, my question for you, you know, is have you found that, you know, the the passion that you have for for that world for for role playing games and tabletop games was that something that you know translates well into writing comic books for you? Does that inspire you to to work on these projects that you you're doing now with the Eighth and the Kill Journal um, and uh, Children and Monsters? And, and I'm sorry if I if I if I got the title wrong, but is that something that's a, that that helps you adapt to the comic world well, or is it completely different? No, I, you know they're uh, they're a different experience, right? One is you're thinking about a something that you're going to interact with and play versus something you're going to observe, uh, right? And and so it's it's a it's a double. <clears throat> it takes two skill sets. Um, with my TV show Escape Tonight, I needed to build things that inside of the show that people would interact with, and then we would film it. So it combined the two into one experience, right? And so, and so I think that's why I live with those two loves in a lot of ways. And um, I think what I 
love very much is I love to be able to, as a fan, I love to be able to do a dive into a world and experience the comic and then play it someplace else. I like this really kind of swim in it. And so I think when I'm, you know, when I'm building the graphic novel, I don't build the game in my head at the same time at all. Because the graphic novel needs to first exist and be yeah. independent of, of any sort of game. Um, and then what's fun is if the story lends itself, hey, we could build a game, which would be another fun way to play in this world, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like that, you know, like I, I have a love of this comic book called Murder Falcon by Daniel Warren Johnson. And I love that and it's done, right? It, it's, it's an eight issue trade and I love it, but it's done, right? But if I could play the board game of that, I would play it so that I can kind of relive what it was like to read that in the story and characters. Um, and I think board games are a lovely way to bring people together. Mm -hmm. um, and um, whereas comics are isolated experience, you can then bring people together um, with games. So I think there's a nice balance between the two. Now, one thing, Adam, too, we talked about way uh, when you first came on for the show to talk about the eighth was uh, how you you know you done you obviously have a, a background in directing and producing and everything as well. Uh, of course, you know hit shows and YouTube TV and everything like that. I know you had other projects in the works when we talked um, a while back, and I know you'd said and correct me if I'm wrong, but you wanted to get into writing comics for a while and you just put it off because yeah. of the way things had gone. Now that you're on your, you're in the middle of your second book and then you've uh, finished up, I mean, you have a third one in the works and all these different things, you're talking about publishing company and everything. I, is it, do you wish you'd gone to it sooner or do you feel like it was the right time? You know, I, it's interesting you say that, Nick, and I think you always feel that when you're into something like, oh man, if I had started this two years ago, I had to just be ahead, right? Mm -hmm. um but that but unfortunately you can't live life that way uh with a time machine handy right. so but what i am grateful for is actually i think right now is a wonderful time one crowdfunding comic books is a real thing now and mm -hmm. literally just five years ago it was not yeah it was just not a right sure if i sure i guess keanu reeves five years ago could have still had success um <laughs> yes right yes. um and he's lovely and i even produced a commercial with him in it you know, last year and he's lovely and he deserves all, all his success um but so i think the time is right to have more success with it and i think you know people are playing board games now more than ever this year um, they are um, reading more than ever this year due to being trapped inside in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's, and there's also, I think with, you know, Diamond going away and DC cutting a lot of its storylines, there's a bit of a, a opportunity, a bit of a renaissance in comic books. And so, um, or at least in American comic books, you know, manga is very solid and is, you know, is much bigger anyways. Mm -hmm. But, um, but there's, there's, there's a special window right now um, that maybe being here now is, is is the best time. So I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I know you put you retweet a lot of different books that are going on, and I think most of them are crowdfunded books. You brought up Keanu with, and I know he's got the Berserker book coming with uh, Boom yeah. Studios, correct, Doc? Yep. Yep. So uh, you know, we we talk, Doc and I read a bunch of different stuff, and I'm curious: is there anything in particular you've been reading or that you're looking forward to coming out soon, besides your own stuff, of course? Yeah. No, I try to support, throw it out to a lot of other creators out there as, as you know as well you know i don't i don't want to just take over my stream with just my stuff because there's so much great things out there mm -hmm. um so a couple of things one is i'm reading this book on idw called mountainhead 
that John Lee's and uh, Ryan Lee Benjamin is doing the art on is awesome. It's this really unique story about this boy who like got kidnapped when he was young but didn't know it and grew up with this guy and was a cat burglar and then gets reunited with his parents and then there's monsters invading this small town in canada and it's it's really something special um mountainhead i would i would say i'm very excited about it and then in an all ages book i just finished uh bigfoot bill the first two volumes of it um by the creator of earthworm jim and it's such a fun you know and they're these big oversized books and they're just uh, fun and I can read them with my nephew and he loves them and they're also fun for me. And so that's a special thing. I think when you have an all ages book. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are two that have been really exciting. Um, and then I think, you know, as far as like some, you know, crowdfunded books um, that I'm, uh, you know, that I'm really waiting for, if you will, there's this odd book called Shinobi Sasquatch about like this Kung Fu Sasquatch. Awesome. Um and um, that I backed a while back and I've been like, and it's got this really rad, like Jim Lee-ish style art by this guy named Rob Willis. And I look at that and I'm like, a, a Kung Fu Sasquatch, who ever heard of that? You know, but it's like, but it's, but that's what's so fun about indie books. You know, it's like, you're like, oh man, I can't wait for what, what are they going to give me with that? So. Yeah. yeah there's so much, there's, there's so many awesome books that are now coming up with us on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. And, um, so many. and Doc is, I mean, he's, big indie guy. I mean, I've grown into it even more too. And I think you kind of helped push me in that. Both of you have helped me push me in that direction a little bit more, but doc, before we, uh, before we let Adam go, do you have anything else? No. Um, you know, uh, thank you again, you know, for coming on, uh, with us and, and, and coming on with Nick again. Uh, I can't wait for this book to come out. It just, again, I can't harp on this enough. The, the first time you showed me that trailer, just, just blown away. So I can only imagine what the book's going to be. And I'm very excited for it. The campaign started October 6th, the day before this episode dropped. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Failed Superhero. Is that your Instagram account as well? It's Failed Superheroes Club on Instagram. Okay, Club on Instagram. The Kill Journal on Indiegogo, and you can still back the 8th on Indiegogo. I highly recommend that one as well. Adam, really appreciate you taking time to join us again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. For those interested in backing the Kill Journal on Indiegogo, again, I have the link in the description of this episode. Here are the perks options. For $20, you can do the monthly digital issues. The four-issue series starts delivering right after the close of the campaign, as if collecting the comics locally. Includes all digital stretch goals. The $40 option, which I will be taking part in, and I believe Doc will as well, Leather-bound hardcover edition and digital copies. The 88-page Howling Tale in faux leather with debossed design and gold trim. It's an exact match of the Kill Journal St. George keeps in the story. So, this is your very own copy to keep you comfy in the dark. Revenant Mask and Leather-bound edition, $150. You get the bone-crushing tale in leather-bound splendor and a movie-quality replica of the mask worn by the most frightening Revenant of all. This Halloween, people will fear you.